0: you, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jens of Chak-Chai Bankard, and I'm here, I'm very excited about this, I'm here with my very own awards guild. First, he's never going to miss an opportunity to take shots at Maestro. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.?
1: I haven't had an orthodox career, and I wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time, I didn't feel it. But this time I feel it. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad you gave us the exact wording of that, because I feel like it's the most misquoted Oscar speech of all time. Thank you. Uh, And he's going to show (laughs) immense restraint today by not picking Indiana Jones in every category. It's Greg Cass. How's it going, Greg?
2: Once you overcome the one-inch-tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. I'm going to go drink till tomorrow morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot he said that last part. That's amazing. (laughs) And finally, he's over here on Nyad Island. Antonio Elefano, are you ready to hand out some awards, Antonio?
3: Films and life are like clay waiting for us to mold it, and when you trust your own insides and that becomes achievement it's a kind of a principle that seems to me is at work with everyone. God bless that principle. God bless that potential that we all have for making anything possible if we think we deserve it. I deserve this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing oh everybody really brought it today i'm so excited for this so we are here today if if those ob- oblique references to borrow a phrase from from david chen on filmcast uh those oblique references do not register as uh, oscar speeches or oscars in jokes we are here today for a very special episode you know every other oscars podcast in my feed they're putting out their final predictions because Oscar nominations come out on Tuesday. We are we're going against the green. We're swimming against the current, like Diane and I had. Um, <laughs> and we we are doing our own awards today. I think and which I think is great because here's, here's why us not doing a predictions episode is great right now. Because we are picking our own winners without being influenced by the Oscar nominations. I think that's great. Where's everyone else when they do theirs later? Who knows? <laughs> right? Um, so you know, we we spend so much time speculating about who's gonna win the Oscars, but these are our personal picks. We are we are putting aside our minds and just going with our hearts. <laughs> uh well, actually, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that's premature for me to say that. So so welcome everyone to the inaugural long take review awards, LTR Awards, or as we're hoping to call them based on that acronym, letters. Uh, so if, if you're new to the podcast, we are all writing professors. And so giving letters to these creators, these filmmakers, really seemed fitting. And also the longies just sounded weird. Um, so, <laughs> so here we are. Um, so I'm, I'm about to explain sort of how we're going to proceed with our own award show today. But PT, if listeners enjoy this episode, they want to hear more from us. What can they do? they
1: can uh, subscribe uh, to uh, us on any of their uh, podcast uh, service providers, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Overcast, wherever wherever they get their podcast. please subscribe, uh, leave a rating, leave a review, uh, let other people know, uh, try to, uh, you can bump up that visibility a little bit. Uh, and you can also follow us on social media. Uh, we are on Instagram at the long take review and also on threads at the long take review.
0: Thanks, BT. All right, so here's what we're doing in preparation for these awards. So before we started recording, each of us made our own personal list of nominees, and we shared them with each other. And so any nominee that made more than one of our lists became sort of what we're going to be calling our consensus pick. So those those nominees automatically made it onto the Long Take Review Awards list of nominees or the letters. I guess I should just start calling it letters to make it a thing. So. <laughs> After we share those consensus picks, we have a brief period where we can give shout outs to any of the other picks that people had on their list that we thought were particularly great. Uh, and then we will go into a debate about who should win that particular category and why. So don't worry. You know, and this is as much for all of us as it is for our listeners. But I plan to publish our full list. So if you're like, oh, I wonder what the other the other nominees everybody picked were. I'm going to publish those on my Substack. So we don't feel like we have to kind of like talk about every single one because that we'd be here for hours and hours and no one wants that. (laughs) We are actually being very conscientious to make this not too long of a long take review. (laughs) All right. So everybody ready to start? Yes. Let's go. Okay, so we are starting with supporting actor. Let's have uh, PT read the consensus nominees and then we'll go from there.
1: All right. Uh, the consensus nominees from our four ballots uh, for Best Supporting Actor are Charles Charles Melton in May, December, uh, John Magaro for Past Lives, Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, and Ryan Gosling for Barbie. These are good picks. I, I, I agree. Uh, w- are there any other, before we start debating those four, uh, are there any kind of hidden gems, I guess, on, on our list that we'd want to... Uh, call out. Uh, Jen, you're the host and you're always sort of uh, marshalling us. Why don't you go first? Uh, is there someone on your list you'd like to share?
0: So this is kind of a, just a general things, which may not be helpful, but I really liked kind of the non-recognized... Oppenheimer ensemble picks. So Greg had Matt Damon. I had David Krumholtz. There's probably a bunch of other ones, maybe barring Rami Malik that like you could pick and make an argument <laughs> for. But you know, so that that's what I would that's what I would put in there. But yeah, what do, what do you all think? What are what are ones from the list that maybe should get in there?
3: So I all of us strangers was something that I watched fairly late because it came out late. <laughs> so i had my i've been keeping a sort of running list of this hoping that this would happen <laughs> and and my list was sort of set uh more or less set until i watched that movie and then i had to move things around paul mescal um from from that from that film he was actually my pick last year my my should win wish she would win for best actor last year for aftersun and so uh he was he was on the top of my list here i'm not surprised that a lot of others didn't um, pick him. There are a variety of reasons uh, why I could see that could be the case, but I thought it was a really tricky um, role in a really and just a really stunning uh, movie that that required every actor to really be at the top of their game. Um, so even though there are a lot of great supporting act, supporting performances in that in that movie with Jamie Bell and, and Claire Foy, I, I really loved um, Paul Mescal. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, having just watched All of Us Strangers, that was the last movie I saw before we came into this award ceremony. Saw it, I saw it last night. I actually, I, I texted Antonio my my non spoiler yeah. review after was my acting ranks are in shambles. All four actors in that yeah. movie could have gotten in. I only ended up putting one on my ballot just because Paul Mescal and. No spoilers for what's coming later. Another person is on Antonio's list. I was like, okay, they're already represented here. um but uh, but yeah, i i I would be good uh, moving Paul mescal um you know forward into the uh, the consensus because he he is incredible. Also want to shout out Jamie Bell, who's also great in uh, in that in that movie. I'm uh oh man, I mean, I guess there's a I have two that are sort of not discussed at all. Uh, that I think are um, you know a little bit worthy of it. So I, gu- I guess I'll choose one of those. I'm going to say, just to, to mention it, Holt McElhaney in The Iron Claw, I feel like to the degree there was talk around The Iron Claw, it was very focused on Zac Efron. If there was any supporting actor talk, it was... For um uh Jeremy Allen White, I think, if I'm saying uh if yep. I'm choosing the right J name, uh to start that, who is of course stars in the bear, and he is one of the brothers. And he's incredible. I don't think that movie works without um Holt's performance as the dad. It's a very sort of easy role to fall into two-dimensional villain. And, you know, it's not that he isn't, you know, a, a terrible abusive father in many ways, um, but it's like it feels so lived in and it feels like a real person. Uh and again, that I think the movie. Uh, uh, to the degree the movie is uh, uh, successful at sort of showing the messed up dynamics uh, of this family, um, it's, it's, it's on the back of the parents. And I think that, that Holt uh, is really important there. So I'm just going to shout him out.
2: Uh, I have down here that Iron Claw wouldn't have been successful without the supporting work of Haynes Tidy whiteys. Uh, and so maybe we uh, it really holds the movie together. Um, uh, that's a great pick. And I do agree. Uh, you know, it's so hard to talk about that movie. I understand it's like history. And if you're a wrestling fan, it's really well known. I am not a wrestling guy. So I went in totally blind and I, so much of my enjoyment came from that. I, I appreciate how you, you kind of, st- away from explaining anything. And I think that's, um, so I'll agree with you, but also stand by that. Um, I was just going to say, uh, Paul uh, Mezcal uh, actually was in the last movie I watched before this pod, but that was faux. And I want to just like take away his acting card for being... No, I'm just kidding. It's just a really bad uh, movie. So I was really disappointed because I do think he's one of the best of the current crop of actors and um, needs good scripts. I'm talking to you, uh, Sir Ridley, and Gladiator, Grant- 2, Gladiator 2, which yeah. I think is just wrapping production so so we'll see um i will just echo jen's uh there are a lot of uh dudes in oppenheimer and many of those dudes are pretty good uh and so there were uh, a crop to pick from i picked matt damon because um nothing gave that movie life for like Forty-five minutes, and then when he's coming in and starts gathering up the team, kind of being the uh, Danny Ocean. Uh, now he's he's graduated. Um, I thought that movie came alive in a way that was uh, desperately needed. So that was my pick from the the dudes in
0: Oppenheimer. He he is the what makes that movie fun, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. describe the whole movie as fun, but <laughs> he's no, the fun part of it. Uh, I, I I I pledge to not add any
1: more names to the discussion, but I do just want to note. I feel like this is the was the most crowded for me uh, of the acting categories, or at least the hardest to draw the line of like definitely in consideration versus like, okay, very good, but I'm taking them out uh, and and i was I was realizing that when I think about who I want to put on a list for both supporting uh, you know actor and actress. That it's sort of like, well, this movie, you know, does this movie work without this performance or, or, or how much does it change that? And I think, you know, that Oppenheimer discussion is, uh, uh, you know, speaks to that as well. But it's, you know, wh- what changes the temperature in a, in a positive way in, in, in the course of a movie? Uh, also note, it's interesting. None of us put the presumed frontrunner, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, from Oppenheimer on this list. Is that just because we're he he's got enough awards and we're we're all fine with that, or do we think that these like these other Oppenheimer performances are notably better?
0: I cracked up when I realized that I was like, no one, literally no one. But I think it's true. I think it's because he is sort of the, you know, he's the. We're trying to be hipsters by making cool picks, and <laughs> his is not the hipster pick. Fair, but I but I think he's deserving. Like he's amazing. Like there's a reason he's the front runner. So I don't. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem nominating him in this category necessarily. It just seemed like the, the obvious choice. But let's let's move into. I mean, who should be winning this?
1: This part's tough.
2: I'll I'll dive in. I'm I. Yeah. Uh, if if you guys have been looking at my picks and kind of sooth saying, I'm out on some of the movies you're very high on. So this might make this very uh, interesting. So of this list you left le- left here, the consensus picks, uh, shout out to Sterling K. Brown, who I think is really fun and de- did a fantastic job in that. But I'm actually, from this list, going to pick John Magaro, who just nails a very small but crucial role in Past Lives. And I just want to note how that could have so easily been a caricature and that you want him to be a caricature. You want him to be a scumbag. You want him to be all these things. And in a very small amount of time, makes you love him and not want the ending you thought you wanted. And again, I'm trying to be just slightly vague. So uh, <laughs> from this list, I'm taking Magaro. I agree with Greg. Um, he, uh, John
3: Magaro, I, I think that um, that part of what makes that movie and the ending as complex and interesting and devastating as it is, Um, is, is it rides on the audience, um, finding him to be as worthy and as interesting um, as, as he ultimately is. And that's, that's a credit to the actor. It makes me really sad that there hasn't been any real award buzz for him in particular. Um, And so, um, so I agree that would, that would be my pick as well.
1: I'm just glad in this uh, story about an Asian immigrant uh, life that we can reward the white man oh. uh, and give him, uh, give him the accolades. First category. We, we've got other categories. <laughs> True. What I'm going to say is I'm, I'm falling in with this, uh, this consensus mostly because I, I'm a little worried about some of the other acting categories for past lives there's not that there isn't, again, like I said, this is a highly competitive category, but I kind of feel like with actress and with actor, there that's going to be like a, such a big fight that I, w- I kind of want past lives on the board. I, I, I feel a little bit stronger, I think, maybe than, I mean, Greg did shout out Sterling K. Brown. I kind of think that American fiction doesn't work as well as it does the parts of American fiction you weren't expecting. After the trailer, it wouldn't work without Sterling K. Brown's performance at at that level. Um, and similarly, I, R- Ryan Gosling like is is throwing heat in Barbie, but I, I I like John Magaro for for this award as well. So I'm I'm willing I'm willing to throw my support there as well.
0: So here's where I stick up for Charles Melton, which I think that is what yeah. what Greg was Please. referring to because he's he's not not a fan of May December. You know, talk about movie doesn't work without him. He is the heart and soul, and I'm borrowing that phrase from a couple other critics probably. He's the heart and soul of that movie. He's He has all the genuine, sincere vulnerability, and with a screenplay that has so much artifice sort of built into it, and so many layers of kind of like, people and, and phoniness, right? Uh, intentional phoniness. I think that his key scenes where he's really kind of breaking down and sort of you know, imploding in real time in front of us, is incredible to watch and considering he is you know this is his first major feature you know leading role he came from a television show about about um archie right that's what Riverdale is, <laughs> right? right it's just it's just incredible and and i want to stick up for him because he's likely at this point not and this is the, the only predictions talk i will have i swear he's not he's likely not going to get an oscar now he's kind of largely fallen off the radar because he missed a couple key things, and so I'm just really bummed that he's not going to have a moment. That's fair. I I do think, in, in my mind, partly
1: because he had that momentum for a while with all those critics' awards. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, tra- I mean, I, I know everyone's waiting on bated breath to see if they get their letter trophy in the mail, um, <laughs> but. Uh you know it's like Charles Melton's got his like he's all right uh and but I agree with everything you're saying um I uh, unlike unlike Greg I'm still on the May December train and I think yes that, that Charles Melton is a crucial central performance there but I yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go. I'm I'm, I'm still with the, the John Magaro.
0: All right, coalition. The Magaro's have it. I mean, I love that performance as well. So I have I have zero problem with that being our winner. Shout Just, out
2: to schlubby white husbands playing video games on the couch. We got one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Half listening. What's up? Incredible! Incredible! Uh, yeah, love it. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to supporting actress. Antonio, do you want to read our consensus picks for this one? Oh
3: yes, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to, to, to list off nominees. All right. The nominations, the long take nomina- the letter nominations for best supporting actress are uh, Devine Joy Randolph, the Holdovers, Jodie Foster in Niad, Julianne Moore, May December, Rosamond Pike in Saltburn. So let's start. Let's start uh what were the what were things that um any any additional shout outs that uh that, that people want to add right now. Actually Jen you have one that I that I really love that almost made my list and that's uh Rachel McAdams and are you there god it's me Margaret. Um that's a movie that I I liked okay but uh I the the scene I remember when I watched the scene of her talking to her daughter about why they don't see her, her parents, the grandparents again. And it was so beautiful and moving that I rewound it and just rewatched it again. And, and this is a movie that has Kathy Bates an, an actress, who's like engineered to steal scenes. <laughs> um, and so the fact that Rachel McAdams still is like, just is, you just can't take your eyes off of her no matter what. Um it's, it's a credit to to her. And I think just like career best work from her. So um, so I was a little sad that it couldn't make it onto my list and I was really happy to see it on yours.
0: Yay, I appreciate that. So for context, I watched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret on an airplane and halfway through the sound stopped working and I had to switch to <laughs> captions. And still I was just bawling through so many parts of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it really got yeah. to me. And like her performance She's so grounded and believable as yeah. a nice mom. It, you know what I mean? Like, I think in lesser hands, that role is just kind of saccharine and sort of like, oh, I'm just here. I'm just a mom being supportive, right? But the way that she plays it, especially it, when in the scenes where she's like trying to be a PTA mom, which I'd heavily identified with, it was like, oh, I've definitely been in situations like this. and and And, and she's struggling to sort of like, you know, with her sort of professional interests and she wants to support her school and she wants to be a good mom. They just, you know, she's going through all this change in her life and I just, I just, I bought it. She was so good. Um, So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that that that's making it on our shout out list. Yeah. I watched it on a plane too. (laughs) Uh, Um,
3: Others.
2: Well, I was going to say, like a uh, random dance number being inserted into an otherwise just great comedy, I will say that the Mean Girls musical uh, proved (laughs) to me that we are not appreciating Rachel McAdams enough. That that movie did not work for me. And I'm like, it's so the actress playing (laughs) Regina George in the Mean Girls musical doesn't have Rachel McAdams sparkle and you need that kind of underlying thing that Rachel McAdams has and i just think she's the classic example of an actress who got out of the like debut hot girl phase and people forgot and that is a shame cuz she deserves a lot better and and is really good i'm going to throw in my suggestion based on pt's rule of moments ago uh does a movie that doesn't really work without this person I really like Maura Tierney in Iron Claw, the other parent in Iron Claw. And um, certainly, this would be is it the Judy Dench uh, six minutes of screen time wins <laughs> you an Oscar rule? Maura Tierney is often present in the film, but not really the center of a scene. She kind of gets one good scene a la Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, and um, she kills it and is kind of amazing. And I think. That movie is at risk of just being about dudes doing dude stuff unless you get a little bit of of her in there. And actually, I would throw her in the same category like we take Maura Tierney for granted because she's been on television and in our lives for so long. But she's really got chops and, and deserves more attention. So that's my toss
1: yeah, uh, shout out to News Radio, uh, one of the best uh, uh, '90s sitcoms that that uh, unleashed two terrible people onto our our culture. But more Tierney is not one of them. Uh, it's Andy Dick and Joe Rogan, to be to be clear. Uh, I, I, let's name names. Uh, I, yeah, I I fully agree. I shouted this out in uh, uh, on our list mostly because I almost had Maura Tierney on. I actually put Claire Foy in from All of Us Strangers in a sort of similar like. Unlike Rachel McAdams, who's, like, the good mom, who's, like, struggling really hard to, like, you know, dude, these are people who are trying really hard but are kind of, like, you know, at times leaning towards a bad mom side. Um, or, or at least, you know, are, are causing more harm than uh, the than Rachel McAdams character is. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would put uh, Maura Tierney in that sort of – in Iron Claw – Uh, that that sort of I'm only in a I'm, I'm around and then I got one sort of centerpiece scene and then I'm back on the side. I would put that over the Emily Blunt version of it just because when she's just around, there's just like, she's still slipping the knife in every once in a while and just sort of has these like pops um, in, in otherwise chaotic scenes with a lot of male energy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she's, she's very important to that, uh, to that movie. Um, I am going to say, after I snuck my Claire Foy reference in, um, I'm, I'm going to officially say, um, my, my shout out a, a double nominee for me. Uh, I'm, I'm giving things away, uh, in the future. Um, it's Sandra, uh, Huller for, uh, The Zone of Interest. Uh, uh this is a movie not a lot of people have seen. I don't. I think only two of us here have seen it. Uh, I I could be wrong. Um, the in a movie full of absolutely like chilling moments, she has the most chilling moment, and I'm not going to say anything more than that. But she's very good in this. Um, so I don't think she should win. I don't even know if she's going to really get into the discussion. Um, but I'm I'm spotlighting her because she's incredible in that movie.
0: She got dub- double noms at BAFTA
1: so good for so, BAFTA
0: yeah they get it <laughs> um I'm gonna give a shout out to uh one of PT's picks Tilda Swinton and the killer yeah because if one. we're talking about supporting roles that really make or break a movie I feel like sh- her her whole performance and she's only in like a, a section at the end of the movie right like she's not a major character throughout the whole story she really elevates the whole thing, the whole the whole project of the killer, I think, and and so I yeah I really like that pick.
3: So shall we move into the discussion as to who should win?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So so I mean, are is it is it Davine? Because like everyone else <laughs> seems to think that's a no brainer. Um, um,
1: it's tough because. Uh, I do kind of feel like it's it's Divine, but that's so boring. Uh I'm I'm gonna push a little bit on uh for Jodie Foster, who like that's that's like a pretty thankless. I feel like well, I'm repeating myself, or maybe we're like we're all sort of repeating ourselves. That's a kind of a thankless role on paper in a movie that I would say apologies to Antonio isn't particularly good or isn't amazing. Uh like it's kind of standard. But I do think Jodie Foster really elevates. I think the 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 space between what's on the what seems to be on the page and the actual thing that's on the screen, the biggest leap might be Jodie Foster. I don't know if that means she should win, uh, but I want to note that. Um, I I want to talk about Rosamund Pike. Uh, we never
3: we never did like a full review for for Saltburn, but. Um... Like Saltburn has has lots of problems, Um, but but Rosamund Pike is not one of them, right? Like Rosamund Pike, this is Rosamund Pike at her Rosamund (laughs) Pikeiest, and um, and I could watch two hours of her just spewing vinegar. Um, I I uh, I thought she was really great. Um, you know, there are a lot of I've had a lot of discussions with people about like uh, uh, Jim Clements, who's a, a former long take, um, you know, co-host, too, friend of the pod, because um, c- he, he and I were were sort of debating the, the merits of Saltburn, um, you know, and he, and he did the classic comparison of like, you know, ta- you know, talented Mr. Ripley was to me, Saltburn is like, like is is less talented mr ripley and more like uh fancy pants cocaine bear (laughs) um (laughs) uh, whoa so but but she's just indispensable in the film and and uh and just so hilarious um and and really elevates like makes that movie just a good time even if it doesn't if it if it doesn't for me um like withstand scrutiny (laughs) um at the end um i i i really liked her a lot um yeah, and I, I love Jodie Foster too. I love all the people on this list. Um, but yeah, you know, that's my two cents for now. I'm, I'm curious to what the to what you, Greg and Jen, have to have what your thoughts are.
0: So just add to the Rosamund Pike love. I feel like she is so brilliant at being a well meaning elitist person. You know what I mean? Like because the way that mm-hmm. she's the intonation she uses when she rattles off things that are so awful, but she but is so sincere and caring and kind of like, you know what I mean? Like and but and yet so ridiculous. And I think not every act you know, there aren't many actors that I can think of that can pull that off. And just like, how does she breathe? Cause her her lines are just like rattle, rattle, rattle. Like and it's just incredible to watch.
2: Mm. Uh, did she get the line, uh, I think it was Times New Roman, because that, I sometimes remember that (laughs) joke and I I die inside and just, I I love it so much. Um, I spend a large portion of my other podcasting life thinking about Rosamund Pike, because she is the star and producer of the Wheel of Time television show and is the main character of those books. Well, you could debate that, but so, like, I'm thinking about Rosamund Pike like all the time, so it was really uh, refreshing to get to Saltburn. And um, I, I I said this early on. I think um people are either May May December people or Saltburn people. It's like which is your kind of trash melodrama you want? Um I'm gonna say I'm a Saltburn person and I will lean into it because I just thought it was wild and a lot of fun. Um we didn't mention him, but I also gave Richard E. Grant a a spot on best supporting actor because those two are hilarious and um again kind of fit that profile that I've referenced before of like we don't appreciate them enough. I mean, Rosamund Pike, she got that weird Globes nomination for the Netflix movie. We maybe we appreciate her enough, but uh, like it's it's a really good uh performance. So, um, and I will say that, and then I will also uh, note that like really the only flaw I see in Davine's performance is the accent kind of comes and goes just a little bit, wow. and uh. I mean, this is something I'm sensitive to because I'm from New England uh, and still live in New England, unlike you people who went to where there's like enjoyable climate. How dare you? Uh, and so um, I I think I'm going to stick with Dave Vine, and I know that's boring. I completely agree. But um, that. Film is so good. I've been a fan of hers since um, she was. She took on the Jack Black role in the High Fidelity reboot, um, which she was awesome in, even though that show didn't last. Um, so uh, I, I want to stick with her, and I, I vote Davine.
1: I. F- think... uh, I'll be honest. I I do want
2: to shout out Julianne Moore.
1: Uh, It was funny. We all sort of picked someone to talk about, and we left Greg with Julianne Moore in the movie he's already made clear he doesn't (laughs) particularly (laughs) like. Um, I do want to shout out Julianne Moore. She is incredible, I think, in in May, December, uh, and uh, just has uh in in the same way you know it's obviously a very different movie as Greg said potentially polar opposite movie but in the same way Rosamund Pike just has those in, impeccable deliveries of that kind of character Julianne Moore has some impeccable deliveries uh in uh, uh you know from from basically her first line to her last line in the movie are are memorable and uh yeah i i i, I do like her a lot i ultimately uh, uh, to me, it's between Julianne Moore and Dave Vine and kind of Rachel McAdams. Like I, I would, I, I would, I, w- I would be willing to sort of hear a Rachel McAdams uh, rush um, uh, if, if people want to do that. But right now, uh, my my vote is still on Dave Vine, which is boring. But but here we go.
3: I'm fine with Dave Vine. Like I, I think that she's great, uh, and uh, I, I'm glad that we spent some time talking about the other nominees. It, it might. I, I don't think that all of them are going to match up with like Oscar frontrunners, um, but whatever. Like sometimes Oscar frontrunners deserve to be Oscar front runners, for a so, reason.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just w- yeah. wait until we start talking about Oppenheimer, Antonio, and then you'll start <laughs> seeing Oscar frontrunner time. Uh, so,
0: so I'm I'm fine with Dave, Dave Vine. Though when PT floated Rachel McAdams i got really excited so i if there's a push for Rick, rachel mcadams and we want to switch i am 100 in support of that but dave i just want to say because we haven't really explained why her performance is just dominating the oscar race right now her vulnerability in that movie and the way that she can switch so quickly from being kind of like almost the comic relief sort of like Jolly element in the movie to then quickly being the like most tragic character in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, and I think she handles that so effortlessly and makes it feel all of a piece. You know, like like sometimes when performances demand that, some actors that can't quite handle that and kind of hold that all together, it makes it seem like they're in different movies and different scenes. And I feel like she makes it all feel consistent in a way that's really difficult. So, yeah. all right. I mean, that sounds. Does anyone object? That sounds like that's what our pick is. Yeah. Yep. All right. All
1: right.
2: Yay.
0: So we're moving on to Best Actor. Greg, do you want to read our
2: nominees? Jen, I would love to uh, as I scroll down the document. Okay. Uh, So for our consensus nominees for the Best Actor Letter Award, we have uh, Killian Murphy from Oppenheimer, Andrew Scott, All of Us Strangers, TOU, Past Lives. Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers, Jeffrey Wright from American Fiction, and Leonardo DiCaprio from Killers of the Flower Moon. So we squeezed on a full six here because there's uh, so much consensus among us. But to honor the pattern, um, I would like to to make sure we give some shout-outs to people who uh, deserve uh, more attention. So I'm going to throw it to P.T. first because, P.T., uh, you picked Jason Schwartzman, uh, Letterbox's number one actor of the year, uh, which is just crazy. Uh, he's the most watched actor of the year on Letterbox this year. So uh, what spoke to you about Asteroid City?
1: Uh, I mean, well, if anybody would like to know more about our collective thoughts on Wes Anderson and Asteroid City, there's about five or six hours of content they can go back <laughs> to in the archives from this summer. But, you know, I... I know we're trying to keep everything spoiler free. It's a little strange thing. No spoilers. Asteroid City did. It feels like came out a long time ago. Has been on streaming for a while. But the layers of narrative that you know are 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 there, where it's like a TV show of a play of a sort of movie depicting what happens in the play. And you know that there's a lot happening there. And Jason Schwartzman as the most central character and the person who has to sort of be. One role, and then the actor playing that role, and uh, the sort of that, that actor's public facing per, uh persona versus the sort of backstage persona. There's a lot of plate spinning that he is doing in there, and uh, I think that it's sort of thankless. And there's a little bit of uh, I got as as I was compiling uh, most, at least some of my categories, uh, and and I went deep, I went through all of the craft categories too. I was like. Wes Anderson is just not being respected enough on some of these things. And I think one of them is that he has some of these actors and Jason Schwartzman is perhaps one of the uh, foremost of those who are just so good at his rhythms and so good in his, uh, uh, in his sort of whole style and aesthetic that it's easy to overlook like what he's doing and how much work he's putting in. So yeah, I wanted to, to shine a light on him and uh, uh, give him, give him a nomination. I don't, I don't foresee him uh, getting ahead of any of the six consensus nominees, um, but uh, I also, for the, for the listeners, uh, I, I got to put mine in last. I I, I, drug, I dragged my feet long enough that everyone else had filled in the Google Doc, so I could see I don't need Leo. Leo's already like in the running, so I can put in Jason Schwartzman. And so <laughs> I, I, I did take the opportunity to do things like that.
2: Uh, now Antonio, I think your whole list is in the consensus. Uh, it is. so, uh, no, please don't talk. You're not allowed to talk because of that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we'll give you first round. Cause I think you might have some strong feelings about Andrew Scott that you might want to share in a minute. So I'll just bounce over to Jen. Um, Jen, I actually don't know this actor or this movie, uh, and I see everything to the point where I, I don't know if people were paying attention. I saw Mean Girls, the musical. Uh, so uh, fill us in on Eugenio Derbez in Radical.
0: Yeah, so, so folks might know him. He was the, the music teacher in CODA. Um, so that's that's oh. how people should know him because Coda won an Oscar. Um, but it uh, I saw <laughs> that was before our time. We were pod- podcasting then, so you know that basically it basically doesn't exist in our institutional memory. Uh but yeah, so Radical was a film that I saw virtually at Sundance last year, and it you know it is not innovating at all. It's basically like a stand and deliver. It's based on a true story, but it is like pretty similar to Stand and Deliver, you know, Dangerous Minds. Uh, it's like he plays a, a teacher who's thinking outside the box, trying to get through the, these kids that the world has left behind and the school's failing them and stuff like that. So um, but he's amazing in the movie because he has like this manic, crazy teacher energy uh like a la robin williams in in dead poet society but then also has these like really touching scenes so the movie overall i'm not surprised it's kind of like no one knows about it but his performance in it is is really good so i was trying to think of lost performances that i saw this year that i really liked and his was definitely one of them I, i'm like kind of sad that nobody knows who everyone's forgotten about him because i think he's a great actor that's uh, awesome.
1: And, uh, Greg, I, I would like to prompt you to talk about, I believe, the only person on your list who's not in the consensus
2: nominees, which is Franz, Franz Rogowski from Passages. Uh, do you want to talk Passages? I do want to talk Passages. Uh, thank you. I was about to prompt myself, and that would have just been awkward. So, uh, you know, I think Passages is one of those movies that there was a lot of buzz kind of at the start of festival season, and it um, slipped out on Mubi uh, kind of quietly. Um it was the reason I got a trial membership of movie movie that they've just kept extending for a couple months. So I'm, I'm all there for fallen leaves today because uh, today as we record, because uh, I still have my movie membership, but um, so uh, I don't think passages is a, lawless film, but it's the kind of quiet movie that showcases actors that I really like being a part of, of um award season. Um I would like in it um if if people are wondering kind of what it's like, it's it To me, it's most similar to Worst Person in the World. Actually, my my favorite Letterboxd review was that um, Worst Person in the World should switch titles with passages uh, because uh, Franz Rogowski plays, who is essentially the worst person in the world, and um, uh, he uh, is in a relationship with Ben Wishaw, who is also on my list for uh, supporting actor. Um, And uh, I'm going to leave it vague. Things get a little messy, and it it ends up being a a relationship drama. But... um, I think there have been few uh, uh, parts, not actors, but parts, uh, few characters, that's the word for it, uh, that I have disliked as much as I have disliked him. Um, And yet I really knew this type of person. Uh, I uh, think we all have people in our lives who we see make bad choice after bad choice and then we have to deal with it and it's it's hard and it's it's a struggle so um if people haven't checked out passages i recommend giving it a watch i'm sure it's on the like three dollar um rental at this point um i believe when i told jen to watch it she said i don't want to believe anybody could cheat on ben wishaw so i'm not interested (laughs) uh which is fair uh so um well and so i think let's move over then to uh trying to determine a winner from this list of um uh consensus nominees as promised antonio make your strongest case for probably who we all like anyway but go for it <laughs> uh andrew scott so so jen i think you
3: haven't you're the only one who hasn't seen all the strangers yeah i have right? not
0: i have not yeah it's, it's so, sort of coming out in my local theaters this weekend so hopefully i can catch up on it soon
3: i i, I highly recommend it i um and probably this is a category where my front runner is is the furthest ahead of everybody else. So I I do feel as 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 Greg is right. Like I I am most passionate about about this one and this category and this person in it. Um I um I I love Andrew Scott, you know, he's uh, a lot of people probably know him from Sherlock um and from um Fleabag uh, as Hot Priest. Um, but, uh, and I liked him in those roles, but nothing prepared me for, for what, uh, for what he does in this movie. Um, uh, and, and my letterbox review for this, I, I, I wrote that like there was, you know, there, sometimes there are movies that are just so melancholy and sad and just, there's just so much going on on the screen that you just have to like look down. <laughs> and I was, I was alone in the theater too, right? Like there was no one for me to whatever it was. I was just like, I just have to look away, um, because it's just so much, um, and what i what I loved about this movie um is that um you know I, I think a lot of like art scene movies they 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 show a lot of like restraint you get like one big scene you get a character who's sort of like you know on the cusp of sort of like breaking and then they have their like one big scene toward the end of the movie or whatever right what what I found sort of fascinating at watching this movie was that um again I don't want to spoil too much but like it's it's basically Someone who has an opportunity to have conversations um, that, um, that he couldn't have um, at, a, at a younger age and he gets to have a lot of these conversations in the course of the movie and they're weighty conversations um, and so so I remember thinking like um, like this character is not is, is not having like one of these like moments in, in the film he's having several of them um, but but it doesn't feel repetitive and it doesn't feel like a waste of time it feels like Every, every single moment is earned, and and brings us a, a different insight into his life, into his relationships with with these people who he loves. Um, And, um, and really in the same way that sort of like past lives celebrates like love from different perspectives, like the different ways that we can love the different ways that like we can fail in loving someone um, and just broke my heart like multiple times um, in the course of this, of of this film. So um, yeah, I, I look, I love the other people um, on this list as well. I think their performances are great. I, as as people have noted, I'm not an Oppenheimer fan, but, but Killian Murphy was high on my list uh, despite that. But for me, uh, Andrew Scott uh, was, was the best actor of the year.
0: I really want to see that movie now. But yeah. <laughs> what are, what are, what let's, are there, are there, is there other support for Andrew Scott? I guess we could say. I feel bad I was, now that I haven't, I'm the I was going to ask a
2: uh, US BAFTA expert, did he miss for the BAFTA or is
0: he He a, did. He did. And a- and BAFTA raw. Controversy. Yeah. Stunning. Um, it's crazy.
2: Yeah. You know. uh, I cannot say anything more eloquent than what Antonio just said, but I thought this movie was pretty incredible. Um, I think the really, really late release is going to hurt it. I know this is one that circulated um, in festivals, so a lot of the critics have been talking about it for a long time, Um, but I thought it was pretty stunning. And I will say, while the trailer for it kind of hinted at the big kind of thing in the plot, um, I I thought the trailer left a lot to imagine still and i i really was uh impressed and pleased with that it's it's a great london movie i went to london over the summer and i was like oh i want to go back to london um mm-hmm. just uh <laughs> seeing some of that um so uh i'm just gonna put in a plug um you know i am not here to argue for jeffrey wright other than like American fiction has slowly imploded in terms of the actual Oscar race. Um, Maybe the SAG nominations will will give it a little boost, but um, it feels to me like uh, it's just not happening for American fiction, which is probably, again, a problem with the rollout and saving it for so long and and all those myriad things. But um, I think Jeffrey Wright is really good. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Um, the role demands humor and pathos and a whole a slew of things. And I just, I really, really enjoyed him in that part. Um, and, you know, I think... It, I, I bumped into a a colleague a week before work started out in the world, awkward and strange. And the first thing they asked me was like, um, did you see American fiction? Did you see that first scene? Isn't that, I was like, yes, it is, uh, exactly kind of pitched towards our lives and what we think about a lot as, as teachers and, um, people who love literature and writing and so on. Um, so, uh, I really love that performance. I really love that movie. Um, I, and sad to see that it's, it's kind of getting left out of the conversation, but I am not arguing for Jeffrey Wright over Andrew Scott. Um, Not only is everything Antonio said true, but the whole film hangs on Andrew Scott. I mean, if he's not in every frame frame of the film, it's close. So um, I think he absolutely deserves uh, at least a nomination um, in the real Oscars, but I'm okay with him for the, the letter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> PT, are you uh, jumping on the? Are you jumping on the Andrew Scott train?
1: I, I am, but I want to talk about two other people first, real quick. One, uh, I want to agree with what Greg was saying about Jeffrey Wright in in American fiction, uh, with with the caveat of I'm I'm not saying him over uh, Andrew Scott, uh, but I, when we were kicking around ideas when this was uh, threatening to become a four or five hour episode. Uh, one of the things I wanted was like, oh, let's do our own fun categories. And one of the ones I wanted was best year where it was just like everything that someone does within a year with like, you know, Sandra Hewler has two prominent roles in uh, likely uh, best picture nominees in, in the actual Academy award. Uh, and the other like strong contender for me would be Jeffrey Wright between uh, asteroid city um, he, he's in a small, um, uh, role in a, a ultimately mediocre movie, Rustin. Um, but he's excellent when he shows up. He, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's still throwing heat and he ha- is very different from his other two roles, uh, when he shows up there. And of course, centrally in American fiction, uh, I think he is excellent. I echo everything that Greg said. I do want to, uh, in, in the spirit of, um, to thinking about Andrew Scott of, the movie only, you know, it's so much is him and so much is focused on him. I do want to spend a little more time on Killian Murphy just because that is such a, you know, a huge bombastic movie, super different from all of us strangers. We All of us strangers, four people, only four people with speaking roles, um, you know, only like a couple of uh, locations, whereas, you know, Oppenheimer, this operatic I- insanity. Um, but so much of it is just Killian Murphy's face and what he's thinking about things and, uh, it's, it's it's all so much um so many of the things I remember from that movie uh are just huge seventy millimeter imax close ups of his face as he takes in information and and tries to like figure out what is happening, whether it's scientifically or it's this sort of you know uh an uh, un- unpredicted legacy that he is unleashing onto the world um so I do think that he is absolutely incredible. Uh, Andrew Scott, I think I I, I kind of have them neck and neck. I kind of feel like yes, they're both uh, similarly excellent. The only reason I didn't go in uh, again, um, my, my ballot in shambles. I didn't go in and edit uh, Andrew Scott into my list after seeing it is because I was like he's already moved forward. It's fine. Um, he's he's good. Uh, but yeah, it's I I don't think uh, I can say better than what uh, Antonio said and and Greg echoed. Um, but I I do think to add slightly that so much of the movie feels like the culmination of like a lesser movie. Like almost every scene feels like this, not every scene, but many of the scenes feel like this could be the like final moment. And that could be really draining. It could be like trite almost to sort of have all of those things. But Andrew Scott is just masterful and, and deft at like feeling like a real person doing this and not like a, a, you know, paper thin version of like a a person um, struggling with with uh, internal demons and catharsis and uh, and all of um, you know what all the things that are unfolding around him. So uh, yeah, uh, partially uh, because of the excellent performance, partially because I'm worried Antonio will walk off if we uh, don't go with it. <laughs> I, uh, I I am fine endorsing Andrew Scott for the win.
0: Yeah, I'm also fine with that. I mean, I I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not going to argue with the votes for that nominee. Uh, I do want to make my case for Killian Murphy, though, because that would currently that would be my pick. Um, I feel like Oppenheimer does not work if Killian Murphy cannot make me believe that Oppenheimer both is ambitious and guilty (laughs) you know what i mean i feel like if he if he's only one of those things we we have like a standard cliched biopic right and i feel like it's because he can kind of handle and hold the the sort of duality of you know on the one hand he's like really excited about the trinity test and he really wants to get this project off the ground he's he's enthusiastic about it but then you also believe that that's that's still true afterwards but then he's also like burdened with this american prometheus status right of like what have i done kind of thing um and that you know it all the things that sort of the robert Downey jr character accuses him of all of those things have to be true in his performance at the same time and i think you know he manages to do that really well while like you know sustaining infinite close-ups as we do saying it's just incredible um he can hear the music so yeah okay now we're gonna move on i think to actress So congrats to Andrew Scott. Um, I guess um, it's my turn. I'm going to read these. So the nominees for Best Actress for the Long Take Review Awards are Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Emma Stone for Poor Things, Greta Lee for Past Lives, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, and Margot Robbie for Barbie. All right. So do we have any additional shout outs?
1: I would like to just very briefly and not even for like true consideration over all of those names. I would like to shout out, uh, Tiana Taylor, uh, who uh, is the lead in a thousand and one. That's my memories of Sundance last year. Uh, that, uh, it's, it's, I think it was, it was eventually released. I think searchlight picked it up. It just kind of felt like it just got dumped on, on Hulu. Um, but it's, uh, I think a really great movie capturing sort of the, the transitional moments of sort of like mid nineties through like early two thousands, New York. Uh, And she plays uh, a, uh, a mom who uh, kidnaps her son uh, who is in foster care, but she is, I think, I think she's been in prison and, uh, or, you know, has lost, uh, custody of her child and then sort of just scoops them back up and they're sort of living. It's sort of almost a story of being undocumented, but like you're born and raised in New York city because like, he's not officially her kid and they're technically like illegally existing because she's a a kidnapper. Uh, and she's absolutely incredible. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a, a small movie. Um, but this is, uh, it's a small movie with a big heart you guys. Um, But uh, it's a really good performance and uh, I don't think that she should win over anybody else, but uh, it just kind of came and went and got forgotten. uh, And I wanted to make sure she got a shout out. I love this it. category, sort of as it as it
3: stands. I, yeah, I we the, the other per, the other person I had was uh, was Jen's favorite actress of the year, Annette Bening, and, and Naya. Nia. Um, Annette Bening, she she actually did win one Critics' Award. Uh, uh, I thought it was funny when I saw the AARP Award. <laughs> oh, Aww. the tuffs? <laughs> yeah, it went to Annette Benning Annette and Jodie Foster. I think just for the scene where uh, Annette Benning yells that uh, you know, that society just wants wants her to just like sit in a room and die. <laughs> uh, you could just see the voters say like, yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, best actress. Um but I I I I understand that that's a polarizing performance and I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine with these. This is this is a killer category. I love everybody on this list and happy um And so happy to, happy to talk through, you
1: know, how to, how to figure out a winner. That's, that's, what's tough about this now. The, the, this had Oscar buzz podcast has a sort of, uh, I, don't, I don't want to call it a bit, but they're sort of like developing a theory that the AARP movies for grownups sometimes has a better track record than the Academy <laughs> does uh, for for honoring movies. Uh, again, they don't always believe it, but a lot of times when they cover a movie that had buzz but got no uh, Oscar nominations, it's like they got six nominations at the AARP uh, awards. And if they like the movie, they're like, those people know what they're doing. So uh, good good shout
0: can I add Natalie Portman?
1: Yeah, of course.
3: Because I, really, I really,
0: I really love her. I mean, yeah, this is a very pro Natalie Portman podcast. I could say even when if if Greg did not like May December, he still likes Natalie Portman, right? Um, so I just think that her her performance is the least likely to get recognized out of the three in that movie, but to me, is the most difficult to pull off, um, because she has all these layers of like. Of performance, and she she has to be an actress who thinks she's good, but is actually bad. Um, it's just it's, like, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of layers. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, I just wanted to throw my throw her into the ring. Excellent.
2: I really right. wanted to do a Queen Amidala of the Naboo voice, but I realized that those are the stereotype characters, so I was going to just sound racist if I Ooh, tried yeah, anything yeah. Uh, related to that. Uh, Phantom Menace, 25 years of problematic representation. Here we are. Uh, so I will just say I I am totally fine with the category as we have it. I threw on Kaylee Spaney on mine. Priscilla kind of got lost. Um, we reviewed it here. You can hear our full thoughts. I think that was Jen and I. Um, you know, is it a movie I think is perfect? No, but I like Sofia Coppola. And this was a hard part. And, you know, to be believable as a like 14 year old and as like mid 40s um, is pretty killer. Um, It was striking to me when the Civil War trailer came out and you see Kaylee Spaney as a, as a teenager, you're like, oh, right. Like she's little and young okay. and so uh, yeah so I think it, it is one that deserves a watch I think Priscilla hits streaming now uh, but let's let's fight this out because this is going to be hard this is going to yeah. be hard
0: what are, what are we feeling I don't even know if I know what the answer is
1: well here's what I'm going to here's how I'm going to start it I'm going to start by saying shooting from the hip my initial judgment I want to say Greta Lee but I'm not going to talk about Greta Lee because I think that, that she's going to be in the running for a little while I want to throw some love to a movie that I think I'm the one, I know I'm the one who likes it the most. I might be, uh, there might be only half of us that kind of like it kind of at all. Um, but I really love poor things. Uh, I, poor things is on the top of, uh, my, uh, my, my personal sort of ranking for the year, but with the top four being a real cluster of, uh, I think excellence. Uh, and that you know that movie is is so much based on Emma Stone's performance physically uh Emma Stone's performance vocally um her her uh, approach to uh how the character grows and changes over the course of the movie the way in which uh the you know her her outlook is is shown and sort of the, the yeah again the evolution and growth is just sort of demonstrated and and Uh, shared with the audience uh, and how funny it is like it just hits so many punchlines like she's absolutely killing it Um, that you know I I think with all due respect and love for Lily Gladstone in uh, a movie, I, I also love Killers of the Flower Moon. If Emma Stone hadn't won for La La Land, I don't think we'd be having any conversations. This would be like Dave Vine, Joy Randolph. It would just be like, Emma Stone, here, like this is your coronation. Um, so the fact that she's already won an Oscar is why... Uh, you know, hopefully Lily Gladstone can also um, get in for an exceptional performance. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you know we're going to be able to move forward if there's going to be a groundswell amongst the four of us for Emma Stone. But I, I do want to make the case that she, I think she may have given the best central actress performance of the year
3: i i i loved poor things. I thought she was amazing in it. i think that it was i thought, i think it was a re, i think it was the most difficult uh role and i think that if it in the hands of a lesser actress it could it it could the entire film could fall apart um and um you know, like coming into the movie, i've I, there's no i felt no urgency to like love emma stone in a movie or to or to see emma stone get another award but after i watched it i was like oh, i get it <laughs> right i mean like it's it's incredible she's incredible in it to me it's actually between emma stone and sandra huller and um in anatomy of a fall i think that's also a very um tricky role in a very tricky screenplay and like I, I mean that's an amazing screenplay. So and you can say a lot can be attributed to that. But poor things is also an amazing screenplay. Um but she, I think that she does a lot um with um when you, we talked about Killian Murphy and just sort of like close-ups of 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 a, of a somewhat inscrutable face. Um but what what Sandra Hüller has in Anatomy of Falls, she also has some like some really great like searing scenes like the the scenes where where she's yelling at her at her husband that um that where she she just shows a, a just a range um of a really complicated um uh person so to me it's between those two performers as much as i love um greta lee and lily gladstone and margot robbie um it it comes down to 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 those two so what are what are your thoughts jen and greg
0: I'm so torn about this because I love every single performance we have on our consensus list. Um, But I think since we haven't really talked about her yet, I think my vote's going to Lily Gladstone, who is actually now in trouble in terms of like, she's no longer the front runner as definitively as she was. Emma Stone sort of pulled in front of her at this point because she missed, Lily Gladstone missed BAFTA and... Emma Stone won Critics' Choice, I believe. So Disclaimer, uh, Jen
2: was recently in a room with Lily Gladstone and has been won (laughs) over by the campaigning.
0: That's true. Personal charm.
1: Hollywood Farm Press. Hollywood Local
0: Press. (laughs) So so for – okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, For context, uh, I got to go to a live recording of Little Go Men, which is Vanity Fair's award season podcast one of my personal favorites. I know Greg religiously listens to that one too. Um, And they had their guest that they were interviewing was Lily Gladstone and then the costume designer and the clothing consultant for Killers of the Flower Moon. And so I was literally sitting probably like eight to 10 feet away from Lily Gladstone. It was incredible. Uh, She's amazing. She told, she told this amazing story about how her rap gift from Martin Scorsese was like a, a Sicilian, uh, like a model of a Sicilian cart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong now, but it was some really weird thing, and it was because Martin Scorsese identified with the Osage cult- culture as having a lot of similarities with his own culture, which is presumably Sicilian, I guess, and that 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 the this object that he gave her reminded him of the wedding scene from Killers of the Flower Moon, so. So the way she told that story, right? It's just like a gift she got at the end of the movie. The way she told that story was so powerful. I was like, it reminded me of all the things I loved about her performance and how she really is the gravitational pull of that movie. Like, she makes that movie. And a lot of people complain that, like, she's lying in a bed for half of it, right? Or that she doesn't have enough screen time. I'm hearing all these these arguments. And I feel like Killers of the Flower Moon isn't even, like, my top, top movie of the year but her performance i feel like is so powerful and undeniable and that she shows such like strength and poise in her in her like of her character and she's just this like steady even like the fact that she is lying in bed sort of sickly for a bunch of the movie and is still like has this such huge presence i think is incredible
2: it's hard not to kind of read her. I I didn't realize she was in trouble, I will say. I do think that is incredible. I would say for the actual uh, Oscar, that's still my pick by far, um, because I do think it's it's a good role and it's it's a good historical precedent. P.T. started talking about poor things and it was really inventive and engaging. And then it got really, really muddled in the middle and kind of died out in a whimper. <laughs> So, yeah, that was poor things. Uh, Antonio started talking about poor things, and he had, like, one really good point he was making, and then he made it continuously for two and a half hours. So, yeah, that was poor things. Uh, sorry, I am I'm down on poor Chats. things. I just want to take shots. Uh, it sounded more personal than I intended it to, but it was uh, the way into that. Uh, so I am going to say I'm not on the Emma Stone train. I understand the performance. I do. I, you, you both, I believe, shouted out the physicality. I, I like the the nudity and the sex stuff like great but like the dancing I assume is what you meant right like the way she embodies a toddler in that particular moment was incredible and I'm sure is way more work very similar in my mind to the way Margot Robbie embodied a doll these are weird things to say about actresses uh, and was able to do that and it looks effortless and yet it was I'm sure an extreme process so um, but I, I, I don't know uh, maybe I was just in a crabby mood when I saw poor things so um, for for me, this is down to um, Sandra Huller and um, Greta Lee. Um, nobody has stood up for Greta Lee. So I will just say, um, I think as much as there's so much going on in that movie that that is creative and collaborative, um, it, Greta Lee is luminous and you can't stop wanting to see her on screen and hear her voice. And because of her presence in that film, you understand the whole kind of the whole premise. I mean, I'm going to spoil the first five minutes. The, the whole first five minutes is about like, is about look like- at how captivating these people are. I want to know more about them. And that's what unfolds over the course of the movie. And it's, it's uh, to me, a credit to Greta Lee with respect to the, the two actors. Um, it is really, really hard to deny um, Sandra Huller, just carrying anatomy of a fall. And the fact that I could, so desperately want her to win and yet not be totally sure she was innocent. trying to leave it to just the slightest bit vague um uh I think is pretty incredible. um, the language switching is not uh to be underestimated either like that's that's crazy the way she could do that and act as the character struggling in with language in ways that are different than her own personal struggles with language. She said that I'm not just assuming she has language struggles, but uh, you know, I think all of that is, is really a credit. So I'm stuck between those two. I don't know where that leaves us.
1: As uh, I, I just want to say, we, we have not uh, too directly praised Margot Robbie, uh, uh, who I don't think is anyone's favorite. So I don't, I think this will be the end of talking about her, but I mean, obviously, Barbie doesn't exist uh, without her, uh, and it's it, you don't want to give an acting award for producing work to lead up to the performance, uh, but that's kind of crucial. And then, uh, and then the uh, you know the performance. I think uh, as Greg was sort of mentioning, you know, the physicality of the Barbie and and sort of the emotion of being the central the central part of that movie. That uh, you know, uh, I guess people could debate uh, what you know, like, oh, is it that deep? I mean, it's deeper than anyone expected a movie about Barbie to be. Um, but the, the the depth that is there is channeled through Margot Robbie's character. So um, it's it's again a mark of an amazing year that it's like right. okay. Uh, she's out of the discussion after saying all of that. Um, my, my thinking right now, after hearing everyone and agreeing that all four of these are absolutely incredible, I kind of want to give it to Sandra Hewler for her performance and also zone of interest bump. That like we don't have a best year. Like I like I want her to be rewarded, and she has two incredible performances. Spoken uh, like I know you're a voter. has one or two other performances this year as well. So uh, I don't want to. Uh, you know, sh- short shrift her, uh, and I know that maybe she's not the favorite anymore for for an Oscar. But you know, on the balance of things between the two performances, and also who has been winning a bunch of awards and who hasn't, who who I'd like to make sure is recognized, I'm kind of now leaning to Hewler. I'm fine with that.
0: Does that help us? I don't know. I'm leaning so so if if Lily Gladstone's not in the running with everybody else, I'm going to put my my vote behind Greta Lee which maybe makes it a tie at this point. Mm. I'm not sure. Channeling Ingrid Bergman, it's a tie. (laughs) One of the podcasts I listen to has that in their opening montage. So it's it's like, I hear it all the time. Um, uh, Greta, Greta Lee's performance is as strong as all these other ones. And is the most subtle. That's going to be my, my bid Mm -hmm. for her because, and I think that's why she's potentially not going to make it into the Oscar nominees because people aren't noticing how good her performance is because it's more subtle but i i feel like her character by definition has to actually sort of similar to sandra Huler, like has to kind of straddle these different worlds right that's the whole point of the of past lives is that she's sort of caught between these different lives and and i feel like the fact that she can do that and then also like portray a sense A sense of emerging self-awareness in that movie is so well done because it's really believable. It's not like she's the same character through the whole movie. You can see her growing and changing and evolving and thinking through things as the movie unfolds. And and she has these different conversations with all the other characters, right? So, I don't know. I think... I'm perfectly happy
3: with a tie. Like Oscars have t- have had ties. Critics groups have had ties. We're a four-person panel. The the right? Let's just let's call it a tie. Can we do that? So, let's just do it.
0: Let's do it. So is it Greta Lee and Sandra Huler? Is that the is yeah. that a tie?
3: I I feel wow. great about that.
0: How cool like are it. we?
3: How exciting! What a oh, time yeah. to be alive! Wow, <laughs>
0: amazing! And I'm, I I, mean, I did love Sandra Huler. I, you know, it's we've said so... a lot of you have said things that I would have said as well. So I'm not going to add too much to it.
1: It's a shame that Jen's new best friend Lily Gladstone will not return her calls anymore. But that's <laughs> okay.
0: she's not my new best friend. It's fine. Like, <laughs> she's she was no, you don't understand. Like she was, she was so cool in per- mm. in person. Like I, you know, I'm not surprised. But it was, it was really. I, I feel like I'm, I'm astounded. If she doesn't get in for some weird reason, I think she will get in. But if she doesn't win, it's not a result of her of poor campaigning. Let's just say that she's just she's just got it. She's she's so together. It's just amazing. Um, And she wasn't even the center of this interview. Like it was the interview was about the costuming. <laughs> right. Uh, but she just sort of. Yeah. Anyway. Okay.
2: Wait, I, so, I already gave this plug on text message, but I uh, one of my New Year movie projects was Kelly Reichardt's filmography, and um, her film "Certain Women" has uh, Lily Gladstone in it, and it's really, really good. Is uh, particularly her strand? It's kind of it's not quite anthology, but it's similar structure, and uh, I think it's free on like a million services right now. I watched it on Tubi. Uh, you know, everybody's favorite. Uh, so uh, people should check that out. If, if you enjoyed the the killer's performance, um, it's good to see her
0: in a totally different register. Nice. I would also make that plug to for a fancy dance, though I don't know where you can watch that right now. I don't actually, I don't even know if it's been picked up, but it's from Sundance last year and she was amazing in it, but all right. All right. Are we ready to move on to director? Is that sure. what we're feeling? Okay. Yep. So we'll go back. I think we'll go back to PT for this one. Okay. Uh, Well, our consensus,
1: the consensus nominees for the Best Director letter are Justine Trier, Anatomy of, of a Fall, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Celine Song for Past Lives, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Martin Scorsese. Killers of the Flower Moon, and Hayao Miyazaki, The Boy, and The Heron. I'm
0: glad that made
1: it in there. What a, what a list. It's a great list. It is a really great list. And will
0: inevitably be better than what the Oscars will do.
1: You're not wrong. Uh, although, I, I yeah, so I will, I will just add it. I'm not going to say any more. We've already sort of had our back and forths on it. Uh, but I am going to shout out, uh, though, not necessarily to put it on the nominee, uh, discussion, uh, Yorgos led the most for poor things. Um, and maybe this, maybe me being the sole, uh, nominator of him was why I was like, oh, no one else liked poor things as much as I did. But, uh, I thought it was really well directed. Maybe there's some degree of like he's doing his Lanthimos stuff again. Uh if you didn't care for it, uh and your name's Greg, then uh that could be uh what you what you think about it. But
2: uh Wait, PT, before we really go on, t- could you just turn off your fisheye uh lens? Uh the filter <laughs> oh, is <come> uh <laughs> a little awkward uh for this. Sorry, thank you. Jenny, I mean I out. love the for, fish
0: eye. I don't know what the, the problem is. For the record, I really, really liked poor things. I think it, it about 20 minutes could have been edited out. There's a section that's very long that could have easily for me been a montage. My shout out for this, do I have even uh, I mean, I felt bad that I didn't have Alexander Payne on my list. And mm-hmm. I also didn't I didn't actually have the holdovers when I did my letterbox top 10 for the year and then I also felt bad about that. So I don't know why it's not making it, but I also feel bad about it. So that's that's sort of my shout out cuz Greg had that on his list?
2: Well, uh, Alexander Payne would be my Lily Gladstone. So uh, as I believe I said on that episode about the holdovers, um, I accidentally ended up at the cast and crew uh, screening uh, premiere of this. So I sat with the sound department in a row because I got a free pass to go see a preview screening, not knowing it was that. Um, and Alexander Payne was directed after. And, you know, I think I would be totally susceptible to if I was in the DGA, I'd like leave each screening being like, yes, that's the person. Um, Because I I do think to steal the film cast cliche, Like, it's amazing anybody makes a movie, and if it's a good movie, it's kind of incredible. And um, hearing him talk through making the holdovers, um, all the ways in which they work to make it, period. Um, He is not the credited screenwriter, but clearly collaborated a lot with the screenwriter. Um, So um, finding, I mean, uh, I think Dominic Sessa was on Antonio's earlier list. I'm not sure we give him a shout out, but finding Dominic Sessa and putting him in that role with those two people. I think all of those kind of pieces are, are really well done. Um, And then he just told wonderful anecdotes about like making fake snow, which, you know, you don't think about when you watch a movie and you shouldn't think about, but it's, it's pretty incredible. So that's why he made my list. Uh, Would I argue that he belongs on that set? No, um, I, I don't think so. I, but you know, uh, I will just add to the shout outs. It's not my list. It's,
1: uh, uh, Greg's list, but I'm glad he had Wes Anderson for asteroid city. All the reasons mentioned before of it. So uh, he's so easy to take for granted, uh, that we don't sort of you know, give, give him the credit for, uh, for what the work he's done and how successful he is with it. So, uh, I like that one. I like that one a lot, but again, he's not breaking that list. We've got a really solid list.
2: Uh, I'm just going to sure. say I made my list after or yesterday and then today caught up on the Golden Globes episode. And I am pleased to see that three of us did the three women, women majority category, uh, which uh, PT proposed could be possible on that episode. And Jen, uh, I think the technical turn is squeed with glee, uh, just like like it could happen. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know. I really think it would be amazing. Do I think it's likely at the Oscars? No, but I think all three of those women are worthy of that nomination, and um, wouldn't actually be upset if any of them won um, for for best director. So,
3: I, I for me, the it's between Justine Triet and Celine Song. That that those would be my my top two picks. I mean, you all know sort of my my feelings on Oppenheimer, and I, I I'm fine with Christopher Nolan being on the this list. Like, I understand why he's there. I, I will not vote for him. <laughs> but for me, those two movies are 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 like close to perfect, if not perfect. Perfectly constructed, perfectly made, perfectly cast. Um, and uh, and I could watch them year after year. Um, so so to me. Uh, and and I love Greta Gerwig and I love Barbie, but I think that that um, that those two films are just in a different category, and these two directors are in a different category. So um, so that those are my those are my top two. What are your thoughts?
0: So if we think about the rubric for evaluating <laughs> directing, sorry to go <laughs> teacher here. No, great. Right? It's it's what it's it's vision, right? Like how visionary is the film. Or the how much is the film a reflection of a singular vision, right? But it's also kind of like sort of what we we've been talking about with like it's casting, right? It's finding the right people for the right roles. It's getting the right performances out of actors, um, but it's also sort of like the the management of this huge of a huge production to be successful, right? So there's a lot that kind of goes into it. But I feel like if we're using those types of things as metrics. That I think why I'm kind of doing this inductively now. Why Yorgos is not on here, and why Greta Gerwig, I think, is not as much in the conversation is because, at least in terms of how it's been presented to us, that they they have partners in doing those things, right? So Greta Gerwig has Margot Robbie as the producer. And so much of the narrative has been that Margot Robbie, this was her idea, she made it happen, right? She got so like in some ways, a lot of that credit credit of like the success of Barbie goes seems like it should be going to her, and Orly's being shared with with Greta, right? I don't want to downplay Greta Gerwig's achievement here. Same thing with Yorgos, right? Part the the story we've been getting is she's like uh, he's partnering with Emma Stone. Emma Stone was like really crucial in terms of figuring out what this movie is about and defining Bella as a character, right? And arguably that doesn't work. The movie itself doesn't work if she's not doing that. So that's sort of like why I'm like, they're not quite there for me. And so I would, act for me, I'm more torn. I mean, the basic like film bro in me is like, uh, well, duh, it's Christopher Nolan um, because of just the technical achievement and like the IMAX the, the shooting on IMAX, inventing things for the movie, right? That kind of thing. Sort of like how like hans zimmer invented musical instruments for dune right like it's, it's that it has, christopher <laughs> nolan has a similar appeal to me right of like oh, he did all these cool innovative things right but i'm left with a justine i think i've heard triet and triette i don't speak french so i don't know which one is more correct do we say the t the t at the end of her name unknown no one knows everyone's shaking their head and celine song and so this is and here's why so there's uh, director's round table that I watched from, and I believe on a previous episode I said it was the Hollywood Reporter. That was incorrect. It was the LA Times, the envelope, their like awards section that they hosted. And two things. One, Celine Song, and I'm sorry this is going on so long. Celine Song told the story about how she would not allow Greta Lee and Tao Yu to physically touch each other until they met in the movie. So, like, they had only Zoomed prior to shooting that scene because she wanted to, like, have the awkwardness of them reuniting to be authentic. Like, she wouldn't even let them shake hands when they met each other, which to me, I was like, that is so smart. And, like, that now it seems like all the great things about past lives were deliberate and planned and purposeful. And I think that's brilliant. Um, same thing with Justin Triant. Like, the fact that she, like, wouldn't even tell Sandra Huller whether or not the Like what she thought about the character and let her kind of figure it out. And that to me fits perfectly with the theme of the movie. Right. And, and so, I don't know, that's my long way of saying it's for me, it's between the two of them.
2: I was thinking a lot about how in my head. So one thing that I'm struggling with is past lives came out a really long time ago and I saw it in June and I haven't revisited it, which, so when I was sitting here a moment ago, I was going like, well, Jen's making some good points. I think maybe I like Celine's song better as the writer. Like maybe I'd rather award her a screenwriting award than a directing award. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Feel good about yourself, Greg, you did that. And then I remembered the last shot, which if you're talking about like singular vision and something that, you know, um, PT has actually been very nice about Maestro, uh, but no Maestro hasn't been brought up often across these lists. Um, but maestro had some really flashy camera moves that to me were saying like i'm a director yay like let's check these out like you want to see a camera flip upside down um and the camera work the vision I, and i'm not always the best at knowing which role belongs to cinematographer versus the director and so on but that that was like an incredibly good oneer that you didn't realize was a wonner because it was so involved in the emotion of the scene that you lost it. You forgot you were just being a voyeur in that moment. So, um, so basically while Jen was talking, I talked myself out of Celine song and then back into uh Celine song. Um, there, my only consolation um, I, I don't expect her to, to go far in the Oscar race, but um it's so early in her career. I mean, a debut of this quality. I can only imagine what we're going to get from her in years to come. So I'm very excited about that.
1: It's easy to be nice about Maestro when you've been proven right. <laughs> the, the nominations speak for themselves.
0: <laughs> That's true. No one picked Maestro for basically anything. No. Uh, right? But, Do we have uh, any? Yeah,
1: no. I, uh, so. I, I, I put it for Best Makeup because <laughs> I'm the only one who went down that far. Yeah, I didn't make it that far because uh, we weren't recruiting. But uh, here's... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm good with this consensus that I feel like is, is coming to the two sort of smaller movies. I do want to briefly defend the bigger ones, the more bombastic ones, uh, uh, while, while not making it clear, I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to fight you all on all this, but uh, I, I do like Jen was like, well, let's lay out a rubric for directing, which I thought very clearly was going to be, here are some arbitrary things that are going to tell me that it's Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, although I, I, I appreciate that's not where, where it ended. But while you I were laying him. that out, while you were laying that out, I was like, this is Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh. The vision, mm-hmm. the sort of setting setting things up, managing all the people, casting it impeccably, like getting all these things together. and. Doing it sort of uh, uh, very, uh, I think, clearly with the understanding, which I I don't think we should overlook like how, uh, you know, um, maybe this is bad to say, but it's laudable that someone who's 80 years old, uh, who's been very successful for decades and decades, recognized, like, I'm telling this story and I probably shouldn't, like, but no one else will if I don't. So I'm going to do this. And like that in, is infused with all kinds of steps in the movie. So, um, and, and he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's a master, potentially, uh, you know, the greatest living director in terms of, uh, accumulated, uh, uh you know, filmography. Um, one of the contenders being someone else we're not really talking about on our list, who's Miyazaki. Um, but, uh, you know, so be it. uh uh, i i will say i don't think we're getting to it uh because of uh time constraints if we had gotten to screenplay uh my andrew scott would have been killers of the flower moon in adapted screenplay where i'm like this is such an important job the thing the choices they made and the way they took the original material and the way they reshaped it into this this needs to be recognized so that's where i would put uh, since we have uh you know uh Justifiably, understandably gently snub Lily Gladstone. Uh, I'm also fine saying, okay, it's not Scorsese here. Um, and you know, Nolan's getting his flowers. no Nolan's gonna be fine. Um, but you know, it, you, you put a gun to my head, he did the best job directing movies this year, uh, but I, I'm fine not uh, not awarding him for that. Uh, between the two, uh, Justine Trier/ triette uh, and Celine song. I just like past lives a lot better and all the things that you were saying. So I'm going to go Celine song. So Celine song, you've won
2: best director. Yay. <laughs> well
3: done.
0: Mm. We're the only ones who can see. <laughs>
2: Call us. She- we want to hang out. We like the way you talk about <laughs> movies. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> all right. So now we're moving on to best picture. Now unlike the Oscars. And this was largely by accident, but PT flipped out and was like, we only get five, but I I only left five spaces in the table because that's what we did for all the other categories. So Antonio, do you want to read our consensus picks?
3: Oh, yeah, great. Um, All right. So for the first annual letters, the, the nominees for Best Picture are Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Anatomy of a Fall, and killers of the Flower Moon. Do you like the little pause I left? Like, mm-hmm. if a camera was going to be, was going to really be zooming good. in on the cast.
0: <laughs> You're definitely hosting if if we have this. Mm. If this becomes a real show at some point in the future, when
2: this becomes a real show, yeah, that's right.
0: That's right there. <laughs> All right. Any shout? Oh, we already have shadows in here. Antonio put them in. Here. Oh, that, that was just me. <laughs> um so my in my top five i liked actually
3: uh narrowing it down to a top five uh may december i know that that it's it's a it's a polarizing film but i thought it was a tricky um movie to to do well and i i i thought it was pulled off really great and all of us strangers which um which um you know i know is an maybe an unusual pick for this for this category but um to me when i think back to last year and like and have sort of like visceral memories of being in the theater and experiencing a film it It would come down to to three movies past lives, anatomy of fall watching it with 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 two of you and then um and then all of the strangers watching alone and then and then feeling like I wanted someone with me. <laughs> Um, and I just thought it was, um, I, 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 just love all, I love all of these movies. Uh, the ones, even the ones like I, again, I didn't love Oppenheimer, but I'm, but I respect, I understand why it's, why it's there and I respect it. And look, if I get outvoted for that one and that, that I, I, I accept it, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> past lives anatomy of Fall, uh, or it would be my top two, but
1: what what, do, what are the rest of you? How about the rest of you? What are the shout outs? Uh, well, I, I, I want to shout out us collectively. First of all, uh I believe I'm looking at this table uh of all of our nom- nominations and I think on my personal list like the lowest it goes is like 11 or 12 for Barbie. Uh and you know it it's and we have, you know, close to 10 if not 10 full movies. Um but I have the weirdest outlier, so I'm going to go um uh, by uh by saying it and and uh, I've I've held back on uh, both Best Supporting Actor and Actor because I had people from this cast uh, on the list there, uh, and that movie is Godzilla minus one, uh, which seems super out of place uh, on uh, on this list amongst these uh, high art movies, uh, but this is an incredible movie everybody don't sleep on it it's the first time I've ever even there's the, the original Godzilla movie in the 50s uh which of course like set the tone and and does feel in retrospect like some, like an art piece almost um it's clearly the best Godzilla movie since then potentially even better than that it's the first time I felt there was a legitimate human drama unfolding uh in the context of a giant monster rises out of the sea and starts like randomly attacking cities. Uh, Spoiler. It, it, uh, I know. Ap- apologies. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the first time that like, uh, and, and again, i maybe I you know, I've missed some of them along the way, but it's the first time, you know, the, the original Godzilla being a sort of, you know, post nuclear, you know, age atomic age, uh, a symbol of dread that there's a, a similar usage of it, but like, tweaked in a slightly different way i thought this movie was incredibly moving i didn't expect to be crying uh in scenes during a godzilla movie um you know unless i was crying because of the majestic destruction done by a kaiju um but it wasn't that it was because of the humans interacting with each other uh and and the drama that played out combined with uh, you know, a, a Jaws homage for like 20 minutes in the movie. And then, um, you know, almost like an, an Ocean's heist, kind of like we're assembling a team to put a plan together. There's all kinds of things mixed in together and it's done really effectively. So I don't think it should crack our, our actual list of nominees, uh, but uh, I've gone long enough not talking about it. So I do need to say Godzilla Minus One was one of my favorite movies of the year.
2: Um, and I think it, isn't it coming back to theaters in black and white? Did you hear this? Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't, but I will go see it. Godzilla uh, minus one minus color, I think, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's not even a joke. I think that's what they were calling it. Uh, so, um, uh, I did, yes, I, I actually thought about it in some of the supporting uh, categories uh, myself, where I, I couldn't really decide which performance to honor out of it, but I'm, I'm glad it made a list. It's not eligible for best foreign language because Japan went with the vendors, right? So Yeah. Um, Uh, that's that's famous Japanese director of inventors. Yeah. Yeah. Who pops up a lot in the Coppola book, uh, that I just read. Um, so my pick that's not on the list, uh, I, I will shout out American fiction again. Look, I like, I like just a small story sometimes. And I like, um, you know, it's, it's a great ensemble and it's the kind of movie I think they should make more of. My other pitch for American fiction is it is very much tied into, um, the the um project of like mike sure the good place and um parks and rec the the director cord jefferson uh comes from uh the good place uh or you know and other jobs but but wrote for that show and the kind of if you like the wholehearted like you know good people trying to do good things um i think this this works uh for that it's a little different but you know it, it works out really well but uh I will just put in the plug, uh, it seems a shame if we don't mention Zone of Interest uh, again here. Um, certainly a, a tough watch, but um, among the most harrowing experiences I've ever had in the theater, um, my wife asked me afterwards, like, what would you liken it to? And the only thing I had in my personal film viewing that came close was, Was United 93, um, which this is a far superior film to United 93, but that kind of just like, I cannot believe this. And like, I was so incredibly affected and yet I never want to experience that again was the only other time I'd experienced that was was at uh, that movie. So uh, um, it's. It's another one where I think um, because it's, it's coming out so late um, it's really missed some of the, the key moments here. It's also just not something buzzy. There's no movie stars in it and there's no like walking out feeling good, but um, the, the things that it shows and uh, you experience and the ways that that um, resonates to our present moment are incredibly powerful so it would be a shame not to have it uh mentioned here for best film of the year i don't know what its chances are i think it did well at the bafta nominations uh so um yeah I think still the big headline hope.
0: is that it made the pga 10 which oh, okay. people were shocked by nice so it's on the board it's definitely very easily could be in best picture now i i, I, have you, I haven't
3: seen yet so I'm, I'm gonna see it this week
0: uh, I, I do want to echo Greg's praise for that movie. <laughs>
1: Sorry that I, 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 I uh, rushed in with Godzilla instead of Zone of Interest, but uh, Zone of Interest is uh, you know You're so similar. Everything- <laughs> I know in, in many ways. Uh, I mean, you know, reck- reckoning with the legacies of World War II and the tragedies uh, committed there. Uh, yeah, an argument could be made. Anyway, I do think uh, that's one of those movies where I left and I was like, "Oof, that was so tough." Like, what? What an experience. That movie has maybe stuck with me more than any other movie. And like, I keep sort of anytime I go see a new movie, uh, you know, like, like last night, all of us strangers, I was like, well, all of us strangers, I got to put that on my top list. It did. It got into slid into my top 10. Whenever I'm doing that, I'm also like, I'm bumping zone of interest up a point or two because I've been thinking about that more than May, December, American fiction, the holdovers. So it's made its way from like starting at like 12 or 13 up to, I think it's like six or seven Mm -hmm. now. Uh, And I could just see it rising over time. It's uh, the one thing I'll just want to add to it. And I, you know, this, this is very kind of film bro to say, I guess Um, it's the most, kubrick uh, Kubricky movie I have seen from it, uh, like the the 21st century post-Kubrick like it's like, oh David Fincher is the new Kubrick or or you know some all these other people that might get sort of slotted in there. But the 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 sort of steady camera work, the sort of following of characters, the 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 way in which the the directing of it and the sort of almost, you know, just Uh, uh, framing of everything like somehow finds a way to build up the dread and the use of sound in particular and, and music when, when music is used uh, I I think really harkens back to like, it's like if the, if the shining was more explicitly uh, about wrestling with with genocide and the guilt of genocide um, which some have argued the shining is about um, wrestling with genocide uh, so yeah it's 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 hard to recommend it's not fun uh, but it's really incredible and and sticks with you in a discomforting way
0: all right we gotta start deciding now so <laughs> what do. i, I, I think... will say
1: this. I was
3: willing to, I was willing, if you all had, had, had barreled into me, uh, like uh, Christopher Nolan for director, I was, I was willing to give up director to get picture for past lives. But normally I, I, I obviously director and picture are often, you know, quite, quite inextricably linked. So to me, it seems like if we, if we picked Celine song should be past lives for picture, but what, what are the rest of you think?
2: (laughs)
0: Well, the Oscars in recent years has many times I split these two categories to sort it's of true. Honor, honor more people. But I like that logic. I think that makes sense. For Yeah, for me, it's really between Past Lives, Anatomy of Fall with like Oppenheimer as the like, yeah, I know everyone would say Oppenheimer. Like so many people are saying Oppenheimer. It's likely going to clean up at the Oscars. <laughs> like, um, so it's the more basic choice. But, you know, what, what does everyone else think? I
1: do personally have Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon over Past Lives, Uh, but I guess there's a part of me that's like it doesn't, you know, to the degree that this is less of a blind voting body and more of we're we're, we're a critics group, Uh, and and we're aiming for some sort of consensus like I also wouldn't try to push poor things through because Greg feels like I know I did not really like poor things uh, and I wouldn't uh, I don't really want to push Oppenheimer through because Antonio's like I didn't really like Oppenheimer that doesn't re- seem like it reflects all of us like right. and and again if it was like the little movie that could and it's not getting any other recognition maybe I would feel differently but it's like it's Oppenheimer it's made. 600 700 billion dollars a million dollars it's fine uh it's going to be okay it's going to win a bunch of things uh elsewhere um and you know again if it comes down to past lives versus anatomy of a Fall, i'm, I'm going past lives all the time uh i'm you know uh, i'll put a little like are we sure we don't want to consider killers of the flower moon like that movie's incredible uh and, and in many ways it's a towering achievement uh and, and a late career masterpiece so uh, I'll, I'll put that out on the table but if we're if we are down to the two, you know, quote unquote, smaller movies, uh, I I go with past lives.
0: Granted, I haven't seen Zone of Interest, but the what you were all describing, I think, or PT might've said this a second ago, of it, you keep thinking about it and it stayed with you. I feel like for me, out of the things we have on our list, that's past lives. That's the movie that I saw the longest ago and yet is the one I periodically come back to and think about. It's the most thematically rich In terms of both what's happening with the characters, but then also sort of how I as a viewer can sort of relate to what's going on with the characters and how it's both so specific, but then utterly universal in in what it's talking about. And so, so that would be kind of my bit. The intellectual side of me or critic side of me wants to pick Anatomy of Fall just because one... It's unlike any movie I've seen in a very long time in the sense that it's like nominally a genre movie because it's a, a courtroom drama, you know, procedural. But at the same time, it is definitely not that and rejects that and has so much to say about truth and representation and narrative and all the juicy things that we like to think about as as. The, you know, literature nerds and and writing teachers, and and so that that's why it you know it comes down to that. But then Oppenheimer for me, I'm just like, wow, what a movie! Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But what I a think picture. <laughs> it seems like yeah, because it's the it's the um, once upon a time in Hollywood Al Pacino meme. But I but I feel like it sounds like we're going we're leaning towards past lives as a consensus pick. Greg, what do you think?
2: Uh just so we're clear, uh, listeners, behind Jen is a giant poster of milo machado greener that just says world's best lawyer um i, I she she should be honest about that
0: um uh <laughs> Wait, he's milo is the kid
2: oh sorry oh dang it i i thought i was cheating correctly you just oh.
0: made me sound super creepy great
2: <laughs> all right edit that out but uh <laughs> I, the defense lawyer uh i thought was your pick before so my apologies um no
0: no it's the kid he's amazing he carries right. that movie uh, not more maybe more than well i mean Snoop. I don't want to go back and relitigate the acting categories, but like, you know, he's uh, he's the centerpiece of the movie in a lot of ways that people don't notice because Sandra hulu
2: All right. Um, you know, so uh, if I were doing a personal rubric for Best Picture, my favorite Best Picture winners somehow really represent the year they came out and that like they act in a time capsule like, yes, that is. Um, you know, honestly, last year's everything everywhere all at once, as crazy as it seems. That was like, yes, that is what it felt like to be alive in 2022 and dealing with the world. Um, And if that criteria were dominating my thinking, I just want to say that I would go killers of the flower moon, because I think this moment where we're trying to reckon, it, reckon with our history, with toxic masculinity, with all these issues that are getting stamped down all over the country. I would just say this is the movie that was the most important way in which we were thinking about the world in 2023. Um, so that would be my case uh, were I to bake it for Killers of the Flower Moon. But I, I don't think that uh, I can really do that. Um, I can make that
0: argument for Past Lives. Oh, because of the skyping, and then they mm. meet in person, and the for a post-COVID world where we're quote unquote back to normal, but not really and never normal. I feel like that's past lives keys into that.
2: Uh, I was only on also going to say all my reservations about uh, May, December, I feel like the themes I liked in May, December about indeterminacy and and narrative and all that are just done so much better in anatomy of a fall and, and uh, who gets to tell the story and so on. So um, if it's, if it's down to the two we're saying it's down to, I think I see myself returning to past lives. I don't see myself returning to Anatomy of a Fall as as enjoyable as that was. I think only if I had somebody where I wanted to be like, you want to try to figure this out? Like, let's look at it again. Would I go back to that? So despite my love across the category, I, I would go with uh, past lives.
1: Why, did it, why does this now feel so inevitable, but I had no c- clear idea this was going to happen? Like, it feels like the whole year of podcasting has been building up to us being like, yeah, it's past lives. Of course, it's past
2: lives.
1: <laughs> We all loved it. Uh, but I, I really went in thinking, not thinking that it would be not a sweep, but three of our, what, six awards.
0: It got half of our awards here. Oh, wow. I didn't even really notice that as we were going along. That's amazing. But I, I but it makes sense. It's the it's the one movie that seems to have brought all of our tastes together. The four of us. So mm-hmm. I think I like that a lot. Um and this, you know, we this was a this was a true dialectic. We 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 produced this through our conversation. I don't I don't know if we could have done this any other way, you know what I mean? Or like I don't know if this would have been the result had we tried to do this another way and Trust me, listeners. We discussed many other ways to do. It was a long. We almost had a longer conversation about how to go about doing this. Correct. We actually did doing it.
1: I I will say because we don't have time for it. uh, Based on sort of the the wrestling around director and picture, um, this is not final in any way. I'm just going to say I feel like the original screenplay would have gone to anatomy of a fall. That would have been where we mm. would have awarded that movie. Uh, and you know, now that we know, Oh, right. We've got past lives has got these bigger awards. Um, then we would start to feel, you know, Oh, that's maybe where we can finally right. get something. And Killers
0: may be adapted. That would have been. Uh, look, like I said, to...
1: I will. You could have voted me down three to one, but I would have dug in. I, w- I would have <laughs> dug in pretty deep. I don't know if you could have gotten me off that, that hill. I would have gone with you for killers. I would have gone with that anatomy and killers. Yeah.
0: All right, yeah. done we just did it um, <laughs>
1: why did we waste our time on these other categories <laughs>
0: uh, alright well this was so much fun I, I cannot believe A that we all managed to schedule a time when the four of us could be on like together that was a feat in of itself two that we managed to keep it under and let's not blow it now we were, we, we managed to keep it under two hours uh, and that we got through so many categories and managed to, managed to do a, a quickie for the screenplays. So, thank you all so much. We'll do a round of self-promotion. So, we'll start with Greg. Where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, so, they can take take you up on your poor things shade.
2: Ooh. Oh, well, uh, I am at McNiff at gmail. <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, people can find me on the internet. Uh, I am Ion Cannon most places. That's E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N, including ioncannon.com. That's my letterbox name. We started a thing where we are tagging our letterbox reviews with LTR pod. So if you want to just see what we're watching and what we're saying about it, search in the tags on letterbox for LTR pod, and you'll see that I watch a just disgusting number of movies. I don't know if I'm ahead or a PT's ahead. It was pretty close for a while.
1: <laughs> I got a couple of short films in yesterday, so I, I might've inched ahead, but it's, it's a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> Um, you can find uh, me on Letterboxd uh, at uh, PT McNiff, uh NIFF. Um, you, you can uh, yeah, follow me there. Uh, and uh, if you want to email uh, the show, we already said up top how you can follow uh, the, the show. Uh, but if you want to email the show, then uh, the longtake review at gmail.com send in your poor things complaints send in your maestro complaints send in your oppenheimer complaints uh, and uh you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll listen and uh, you know feel that we're still right ultimately in the end
0: and antonio letterbox is the only place people can find you so where can we they find you on uh, yeah
1: i'm at A-L-O-F-A-N-O,
3: A-E-L-E-F-A-N-O. e l e f a n o i've Letterboxd.
0: and you can find me on letterbox at Gen, though i am Maybe this is a Highlander situation where there can only be one, but like, I'm the one I've swapped places with PT. He's been really diligent about logging all and reviewing all his movies. I haven't done any for 2024 (laughs) yet. I have to catch up um, on on ones, but there, there are good reasons for that potentially that I won't get into, but, uh, but still, there's no excuse. Uh, And you can find me on Instagram and threads at Subchakchai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I. Should I play us out with our red carpet music? Please. Mm. All right. Thanks, everybody, and go watch some of these movies. Follow The Long Take Review on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive new podcast episodes, as well as written reviews of films with Oscar buzz and new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.